the heart of Wellington, Kansas, Powder and String Outfitters is your down-home, one-stop shop for all things shooting sports and outdoors. Welcome to the Powder and String Podcast. Welcome everybody back to the Powder and String Podcast. I'm your host, Kip Etter. And we are here in the Powder and String studio. And today, folks, I am super excited and stoked to uh, bring you Ryan Cheney. Uh, Ryan, you're you're from right up the road here in Conway Springs, and you are a ELR shooter. And uh, you brought your gun here uh, into the studio today, and uh, it's a little bit. Uh, there's not like it's not a little. It's that's a that thing's a shooter, but. That's my light rifle, though. You know, I show people this rifle, and they're like, "Oh my god, it's huge!" And you know, it weighs twenty four pounds. But my heavy gun is a four sixteen Stroker, which is a four oh eight Shytech based Wildcat, and it weighs thirty seven pounds. And yeah. it's a it's a lot larger than that. So I carry that gun around. It's nothing, right? <laughs> Most people are like, "Oh my god!" I'm like, "Nah, this is nothing yeah, I, compared to my big gun." I just grabbed it a few minutes ago, and I was like, "Goodness gracious!" But I mean, for what you guys are doing, that's you know, it's tool. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's it's kind of purpose-built, you know, yeah. in the rules. You know, you can have up to 26 pounds. I could actually add some ballast to it if I wanted, but... It doesn't... You know, I don't think there's any reason to. You've, no, uh, it works out perfect just the way it is. Yeah. A gun is fantastic. Yeah. Why don't you... Uh, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, you know, where you came from, how sure. you got here? Um, grew up in Wichita, Kansas. Three years ago, moved out to Conway Springs with my wife and my three beautiful little girls and uh we've got um, little 20 acres out there and little little farm with you know horses and goats and stuff yeah. and uh um i've been i've been shooting elr since about 2018 2017 we kind of started at spear point just shooting some like practice matches and then 2018 was the very first of the of the kansas series i had a 338 rogue built and um the very first match I ever shot, I won, and I was hooked. Wow. And that was before we had light division and heavy division. So I'm shooting 338 against 416s, 375 shy tacks, and 50 BMGs. And, That's crazy. Um, and I win, and I'm like, that was fun. Okay, so I was hooked. And uh, everything I've ever put my mind to, I've I've just figured out how to dominate it and just accelerate in it. So it was something that I really took off with and took it to the next level. So before that, you shot, obviously. Yeah, my, you... dad, my dad was big into guns, and I grew up with guns and hunting and deer hunting and stuff. And then, um, you know, when I was of age where I could, I went and bought my own rifles. Um, I got into shooting a little further and further just to kind of push the limits to see how I could, how far we could shoot. And uh, it just kind of accelerated from there into the madness we're doing today. Yeah. Do you... Do you also still, do you still deer hunt or hunt? I haven't hunted in probably a decade. Yeah, just because, I mean, this right here is. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Um, You know, I had the opportunities um, when I was a kid. We we used to go out to western Kansas to some some friends' place out there and um, just kind of, uh, they kind of gravitated away from it for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not opposed to it. Right. And if I had the opportunity to go out and shoot deer, I would. Uh, I'd have to make it fair, though. You don't have to give them a chance, you know, right. hundred yards, 200 yards. And I, you know, I'd take this rifle out and post me up, you know, at like 1200 or something like that. I'd be fine with that. It'd be completely humane too. So that's one. <laughs> it's funny. You say that you say that, um, just recently, I think it was last year. It was either last year or the year before there was a, a local guy here, his friend of mine, and he was bow hunting and he had this deer and it was, a, it was a darn nice deer. And, um, he was hunting it hard. I mean, real hard. And he, um, even through rifle season, he was out in the in the stand with a bow, wearing blaze orange, and ended up a guy, you know, long distance shooter, shot that deer at twelve hundred yards. Wow! And he was sitting in the stand, heard the shot go off, everything. You know, it's kind of one of them. You know, he didn't know for sure that that was the one, but then later on, the guy and him talked and everything, and and uh, you know, I there's a part of me that's like, you know, as an archery hunter you're always like kind of like what you said is it's it's it, shooting a deer with 100 or 200 yards with a rifle is not really that difficult compared to archery 
Yeah. You know, and it's always funny to me, like we go out and set up stands and, you know, and for, for archery hunting, you know, for whitetails and you're putting, you know, you're trying to get your shot inside of 30 yards and really you'd like to have it inside of 20 and you're, you know, your, your friends that you go out with that are, that are rifle hunters are like, what? We're in a tower blind out there in the middle of the field and, you know, it's 300 yard shot. But so when I saw that, that that guy made that 1200 yard shot, I was like, I feel like that's kind of equivalent to archery hunting in a way. I mean, it's just a completely different distance. Yeah. I've got a buddy that's huge into archery and he lives out in Western Kansas. And, uh, couple of years back, I don't know, four, five, seven years ago, he shot, I think it's the number seven mm-hmm. um, in the state of Kansas, muley with archery mm-hmm. of all time. His name's Brandon Lubers, if anybody knows him. Yeah. And I think he shot at like 70 yards. Yeah. The guy is a complete gangster with a, with a bow and arrow, man. But that's something I never really got into other than one time I, you know, was out there in Western Kansas at his dad's house and ended up shooting an arrow through his garage door. But um, they'll never let me live that down either. Right. But uh, yeah, I never got into the you know the rifle thing was my thing, and um, it just turned into madness. So 2018, I mean that's just over five years now. Is that yeah, 2018 is when it started out. I actually won half of all the events in the country in 2018. Just came onto the scene. There was like yeah, it was pretty new. There was only like ten events in the whole country that year, and I won five of them. That's crazy. It was crazy. And um it was uh it was a, quite the year. And then of course after after that I picked up some sponsors and then twenty nineteen, February, I got in a really bad car wreck. Yeah, I read about that. Mashed my arm all up, my hands half numb. Um, you know. So it kind of derailed that for a little while in twenty nineteen and then COVID hit in twenty. It kind of was a mess. You know, the match season were pretty messed up. They didn't have the king events. Even um, with the social distancing, you here you are, you couldn't, <laughs> you're shooting well, they, mile like at, plus like at, and everything. Yeah, like at Spearpoint, they broke it up to where, like for a few months, where they would have this like six people come up and shoot the match, and then, then they combined all the scores at the end of the month. But that didn't really play out because it's like you could have kind of cherry-picked weather conditions you know yeah like oh man next tuesday looks really good hey we're gonna go to spear point and shoot next tuesday you know yeah. um but then it kind of started getting back on track um so 20 wasn't that great of a season 21 um i won the light division for kansas at spear point and then i also got second place at king of two miles and then uh 22 was uh i don't know it was it was what it was it didn't fare out too well and then this year, um, I've got a new rifle that's a that 416 stroker. Um, they announced a solo class at Spear Point where you can shoot without a spotter. And so I decided to do that. And right now, currently, I have a perfect score going into the finale that's in two weekends from now. So I've had three wins and um, um, should win. Should so win what does that look like for, for the listeners? Your yeah. solo, how far are you shooting? How big is the target? Sure. So starts out with so every every match is thirty one shots. You got a cold bore shot, and then you have six targets, five shots apiece. Um, the match start like the cold bore is typically like a silhouette target that he, that Steve puts up at uh, fifteen sixty five, and then target one's at sixteen sixty nine. Target two is um, eighteen forty two, I believe. Something like that, 1860, 1860, and then 1942, 2073, 2203, and then the far target is 2913. And all the targets are three by three except the far target, and the far target's a four by four. And um, so, yeah, you typically there's there's uh, there's three stages. You have the first stage is cold bore, and then the first two plates at the transition on the clock. They give you five or six minutes, but you know, usually nobody really times out. I can usually run them in like three and a half, four minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, five shots and then transition, five shots, and then you're done. And then on the next, you know, then then it's ten and ten, so thirty-one total. Yeah. And, uh, so and this is something I'm I'm really interested in. I don't want to get to this level. I don't. I, I don't think so. Man, it's addictive. Right? <laughs> it can I, happen quick. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm afraid of that, but it's something that I really want to do. My dad's talked about it, and he wants to go, you know, see it and everything. So, when 
when all of a sudden you and I started talking, I was, you know, I was super excited because I'm, I'm literally obviously picking the brain of a, of a pro. So I know, you know, just enough to be, um, dangerous with regards to, you know, how this all works and everything. Um, when you're doing, when you're doing all this, obviously you guys are worried about, as you said, weather, wind, yeah, there's elevation. You know, I, I just, I just really put in temperature and DA. Um, and then the wind is obviously a major factor here in Kansas. Um, I just shot the King of One Mile event down in Texas. The wind. And won it. I won it. Yeah, that was wild, man. And that, that format down there is completely different than Spearpoint. You know, talking about having three stages where at Spearpoint, you know, if you make a mistake, there's a chance that you could catch up on a farther plate, you know, mm -hmm. um, at King of One Mile, you have one shot, you have one opportunity, you know, just like Eminem said, you know, count and let it slip, man, <laughs> because <laughs> uh, the words it, it happens. And, um, and there's a lot of pressure because you only have one up to bat. And, uh, the, the qualifying day is 12 shots and you have four targets, three shots each. If you miss a target, you have to continue shooting at it until you impact it, but not for points. But now you're using your shots that you're going to use on the farther targets, which are worth more points. So basically, so don't miss. That's that's the goal. And I I missed the cold bore shot. It was about like point four high. I came down, and it the, my next shot was right under the plate. So I'm going, oh god, I'm already out, you know off to a bad bad run here. So then I came up. I came a tenth back up and um, thinking, you know, those first couple shots are kind of erroneous. Sometimes your cold bore shot, you know, and we try to track cold bore, you know, try to figure out what, you know, what the rifle's going to do when it's cold. And sometimes. And how far is this shot, the first one? It was uh, 1288, I believe is what so it was. And it was a, a 24 inch plate. So like two minutes, like two MOA wide. Um, so it's not huge, you know, only four square feet. Um, so yeah, I just, it, you know, went over the top and I, I wasn't expecting that cause uh, I had a really good data on the gun and I'm like literally off to the start, like, Oh crap, you know, what, what's wrong here? Now the wind was perfect. My wind call was perfect. So I came back up, um, a 10th and, um, the third round I impacted. So I carried over that 0.3 come down onto the next plate, which actually I have my data. I brought it cause I figured we'd talk about it. Um, Target two was at thirteen sixty nine, and it was like a thirty inch square, maybe like twenty eight inch square, or something like that. They try to keep all the targets right around two MOA wide, mm -hmm. and um, so then I hit the first round on that. So then it was just time to go to work, and I ended up cleaning that plate and then cleaning the next two. So I missed the first two shots, and then I went ten in a row, and the next two targets were at fourteen seventy and fifteen eighty two, and that um, that gave, put me in second for the day. But there's 97 shooters total. We had 50 on day one. We had 47 on day two. So after day two, um, the next 47 shooters went. I had there was one shooter that that came out in first, so it bumped me down to third, qualifying third. So out of the 97, only the top 20 go to the finals on Sunday. And then snoo slate. New, new, new. Well, you know, you're, all your points carry oh, over. Do do? Okay. Yeah, they carry over. They just continue adding. But the point values become a lot more as the distances get further, the way that they do the scoring system. So technically, you could come in in 20th and still have an outside chance of... You could, yeah, because you, yeah, you're going to gain a lot more points on, shoot lights out, but... on the finals, yeah. And then um, the finals were um, 1,697, uh, 1,919 yards, and then 2,388. And uh, I ended up missing... So I hit the first on the first target on the qual or on the finals. I missed the last shot. Then so okay, hey, let me go back to the context of that. Um, on finals, you have three targets, five shots each. Still the same format. You have to hit to advance. Um, but basically, in the finals, if if you start missing, it's it's over. Yeah. Know? So you have three targets. You said three targets, five shots each, fifteen, so 15 total, total. And I think they gave us like seven minutes to complete it all in. And Seven minutes to complete all three targets. All three targets with two transitions, yeah. And and some of those transitions are pretty wide. You might have like a you know ten degree swing across the field, and you know a ten degree swing at at more than a mile that your your body position is completely moving and you're changing everything. You know where your bipod's at, your gun's going to be out of level. Um, so you have to you know make bipod elevation changes, bag changes, 
you might have to change. Like if you have a mat underneath your rear bag, you got to move. I mean, there's a, there's a lot to a transition that burns up a lot of time clocks. So not, it's not just adjusting your elevation dial. It's a uh, change in your whole body position. Sometimes your spotter's in the way. So you're t- telling him to move and then he's got to reposition and get back on target and starts to burn up the clock. You yeah. know, it happens quick. There's a lot going on. There's a lot I going mean, on. There has to be. It is. That far. This game is, um, is very technical and there's a lot of, uh, a lot of dynamic that goes into it. And it's one of those things I tell people that he who makes the least amount of mistakes wins, you know, yeah. because there's so many things that can go wrong. And when something, a little thing does go wrong, it's, it's over. It's so funny you say that. I tell my staff and they, they'll just get, they cringe and their eyes roll back. But I have a saying that says that there's an infinite amount of, there's an infinite amount of things that we have no control over and there's a finite amount of things that we have control over. And it's sure. imperative that we make sure that we're as close to perfect as we can be on those things that we can control so that when a mistake happens, that we can then be best prepared for it. And so it's not a matter you, you're going to have a mistake. Something's going to happen. Something that's just Newton's law. Yeah. You know, and like in qualifying, you know, just that second shot bothered me so bad. Like even I literally was even thinking about that second shot, missing it. Even though I won, I was still thinking about that second shot going right under the plate. And I'm like, how in the hell did that happen? You know, yeah. it's like I won. Who cares? But uh, but you're still trying to figure out. Yeah, because you because you're gonna go again. You my my data was spot on at home. So what do you think happened? I don't know. Still don't know. I really don't know, and I don't know why it was. Do you why, think it was you? No, I. I'm at the point now where actually this entire season of all the shots I've taken and all the matches I've shot, I can remember one shot that I broke that was me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I still remember that shot because usually I'll go, you know, the whole season and, and literally realize that every single time I squeeze the trigger, it was perfect and I didn't make any mistakes. You know, so, so then at that point it's your, it's your equipment. Yeah. So some of sometimes what happens is is um you know when you're shooting like at spear point and you have you have two lanes you know and other people are shooting next to you and then sometimes it's ba boom like <clears throat> I'm getting ready to squeeze the trigger and somebody squeezes right before me and then it's like boom boom you know that boom boom and like and it kind of makes you pull a shot that can happen so usually if I've got somebody in a lane next to me or two lanes over I'll wait for them to shoot and I when I hear their gun go off. And then I'll then I'll squeeze off my shot. That way, I, you don't want to let out all your secrets out. You know, actually, I have a I have let all my secrets out. Um, I have a Facebook group mm-hmm. that uh, it's a it's a private group on my Facebook page that you can click like support Ryan Elar, or maybe it says subscribe or something like that. And it's ten bucks a month, and I have every single I have I mean just a plethora of videos on there. It has mm-hmm. all of my reloading secrets, my load development, how I that's um, awesome. How I break in a rifle, how I load develop it, and then every single trick to my reloading process. And I have you know a few people on there that support me, and and I've, I've a couple of those guys have come out and won matches too. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's that's a true sportsman, and that's a true you know that in the hunting world you get a lot of that. You know, people will help each other, but then you also have those out there that. Well, that's my deer, and you shot my deer, and like, yeah. well, that deer's wild. It's going to walk across, you know, property lines. So nobody owns a deer, right? Yeah, but <clears throat> excuse me, but that's awesome that you do that because it's like, you know, put up or shut up. Yeah, and, and I've got I'm starting to kind of shift gears on my YouTube channel a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't even recorded. Well, it's funny I haven't even uh, edited any of the stuff I recorded from like June and July. And then in August, I didn't even take my GoPros up there. And then I ended up winning one light division with this. I won the heavy solo division with my 416 coming in third overall. And, you know, third overall without a spotter is pretty gnarly. And actually this year, there's been a few instances where solo shooters have, have won the, the whole division, you know, so that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, and, but anyway, I'm, I'm kind of shifting gears to putting out my secrets on my YouTube channel rather than just showing the competition aspect. Cause I think people are kind of bored just watching me shoot. Yeah. I don't know if they're, I don't know if they're bored, but 
You know, this doesn't have the engagement. I look at the analytics on it, and it's like the the engagement's kind of falling off. You know, I'm not getting as much. um, I still find it interesting. I mean, I yeah, there's very few. I mean, the 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 viewership's really gone down. But then I post up a video um, a few weeks ago called "My Secrets to Stability," and uh, it got about four times the engagement and the the number of views that one of my typical. Uh, competition videos would have would have got and i was like wow and i got a lot of comments and then of course i got a lot of sales through my website from that too so yeah i figure i'm gonna start you know kind of shifting gears towards that i gained i think i gained like 80 subscribers just off that video i'm like yeah that's pretty pretty good i've got about six thousand now since you're talking about it and and we talk about it on here almost every podcast but for our listeners out there in this industry and Ryan, you and I kind of talked about it on the phone the other day. In this industry, the subscribers, our listeners out there, for you guys to subscribe, for you guys to like, for you guys to comment on our pages, it's it's imperative for our growth because oh, big time. Because in the two A world, if you have anything anything that goes boom, anything that that you know has to do with hunting, anything that has to do with the Second Amendment or anything even remotely close to it, we are so censored and all the you know whatever you want to call it black black flagged and big time it's it is 100 percent organic you have to go on you being the listeners have to go on and like our page subscribe um and support it because if not comment comment all that yeah um for you know as as everybody's kind of scrolling through their you know their reels or their tiktoks or their you know whatever their shorts or whatever whatever platform you're on guys like Ryan or, or powder and string, we will not show up on your page unless you've liked it and subscribe to it. It will not show up. They, they don't allow that to happen to, you know, the social media gods. So when he's, <clears throat> when he's saying this, it's, it's, it's imperatives that, that you guys go out there and, and we appreciate all of our guys. I mean, we're, we're, we're in the same place. We're, uh, Dylan, what have we been doing this seven months now going into our seventh month now. And when we first started, it was like, yeah, we should be at, you know, 10,000 followers right away. No big deal. And, and no, yeah, it's insanely hard. Like when I launched the YouTube channel, um, it took me probably a year and a half to two years to get the first thousand subscribers. And then you get monetized, you know, when you hit 2000 subs, that's the minimum. And then you have to have 4,000 hours of viewership. And then I hit, it probably took me another maybe like nine months or so to get the next um, thousand subs, but then I didn't have the 4,000 hours of viewership. And then I had a, a, one of my shorts go viral. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I went from like two years on the first thou, like nine months on the second thou. And then the third thousand took about four days. Mm -hmm. And then the next thousand took about two days Mm -hmm. and the next thousand took like a day and a half. Yeah, And it was like, Whoa. And then the next thousand took a while because it kind of stalled out, you know, yeah. when that, when that viral cycle was over. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really, it's really tough yeah. to, to get that, to get that growth. Do you want to tell listeners where, how they find you on YouTube? And Yeah. Ryan Cheney ELR. And that's it. It's Ryan Cheney ELR. Uh, Ryan Cheney ELR.com is my website. Um, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Um, I don't do a whole lot on Instagram, but Facebook's, Facebook and YouTube are my main ones, mm-hmm. and um, and then my website. And then we'll Dylan will put them on in the um, section down below on all of this, all the stuff, and we're done. And you also talked about your bag. Yeah, that's so. This is what I do for a living. Um, this is my this is my creation. Can we, how do we do this? I guess I'll move this around. So this is called the airfoil bag, and this was designed because my my arm being bashed up from the car wreck, it made it made it difficult for me to manipulate a rear bag like a normal squeeze bag or mm-hmm. a game changer type bag, and just to get it stable and to be able to take the shot. And um, you notice I run a left handed bolt. I run it right handed. That was because of Jeff Johnson at Bartline, such an amazing guy. After the car wreck, he built me this left handed rig um, so that I could run left bolt. And all I have to do with my dumb hand is, is squeeze the trigger. But I needed something more. So I kind of came up with a prototype. And it was basically a game changer uh, bag with a, a, a locksmithing wedge on the inside. But it was pretty clunky. But 
I'm a, I'm pretty malleable person. You know, I could take a tube sock full of rice and go out and shoot and, and shoot good groups. So, uh, but I wanted something that was going to work, you know, and, and make it, make it easy for me, to, you know, a lot easier for me. So I came up with this idea. Um, and, you know, at first I was kind of like, I didn't really know if, um, it was going to work for everybody. So at first I just built this for myself and, um, and I had a lot of people interested in it. If, you know, if, Hey, if you ever make those, you know, I mm-hmm. buy one. And then it, I had enough people finally say, I'll buy that from you. If you make them, I'm like, I can turn this into a business. And, um, so basically how it works. What I, what I go for is letting the bipod in the bag do all the work. And I want a straight back recoil. I noticed on your, on your bipod up there, you got slides. Yeah, Slaves. yeah, those are the P-skis. Um AccuTac makes those. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I have like I have like a I have like a mat that I put down this it's just a it's just a front door carpet is all it is. And I'm I'm just going for just a straight back recoil where it's just, you know, um like it's on rails. Um but then also with with the the wedge inside, I can make little adjustments in my elevation and basically let the bipod and bag do the work and all I have to do is come in and squeeze the trigger. Take the human element out of the shot. And uh I've sold about six hundred and fifty of these now. I've shipped them all over the world. I have two going out today, they're going to Saudi Arabia. That's awesome. I have I have uh, some later this week going to Scotland. Um I've shipped them to Norway. I've shipped them to France, um Finland, Malta, South Africa. I have a dealer in Australia. Uh Lab Radar is my big dealer here in the US. They bought a boatload of them from me and uh it just continues to grow and um it's uh it's pretty awesome i'm pretty blessed because i can do this from home and be at home with my kids yeah my, my kids get off the bus and dad's home you know that's what it's all and, about uh, and it's it's been awesome you know really you know to come up with a product that's becoming so successful and to be able to be at home with my kids is um is literally a dream and to help other people it is, and, and it, that, it's amazing because I have I have kids. You know, like I, I taught a ten year old kid here recently. Well, he he already knew how to shoot, but we went and did some distance training with him, and um, he loved the bag. Helped him out immensely. I have elderly people. I have handicapped people. Um, I have pro shooters that are running the same thing. It's literally a universal thing that people are just loving. And I'm like, this, I've I've finally come up with something that's that's amazing. That's awesome, and, uh, and it solves problems, and it's and it's reasonably priced, and uh, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about it. I've I've really I've really been focusing on it, and literally I'm ready to take the next level. I'm getting ready to launch an Amazon store. Everything's done. I'm just getting some inventory built up to to take up to the fulfillment center up there in Park City, and that way they can do Prime and uh, fulfill for me. And uh, yeah, yeah. So you can um, purchase this at Ryan Cheney. ELR. Yep, RyanGeneELR.com. That's awesome. What's the price on it? Eighty-five bucks, empty, and then there's options where you can have me fill it and with in a heat sealed bag. I have um, a mat that you can put under it if you need some extra elevation. Um, and then I have another design that's not available yet, but I'm gonna launch. People, I've, I've sold about twenty of them to customers that have requested them, but um, it's called the Airfoil L, the Low Boy, and it's about an inch shorter. And, um, it's basically used when you're doing a transition between two targets where you might have to make a bipod elevation change. So for example, at spear point, you go from 2,200 to 2,900, everybody has to raise their bipod. So you're coming off the gun, you're doing that. I just transition bags, the shorter bag, get the buttstock lower to the ground and I don't, and I'm lower to the ground, I'm more solid to the ground. Um, so have the second design. Um, it's kind of available. You could email me and like one of like I'm shipping one to Saudi Arabia today, but uh, um, it's not available on the website yet. Mm-hmm. It's a lot harder to make because the corners sewing the corners is really tough because it's really it's really small in the back, and um, so I haven't really mastered it yet. I've probably only made maybe twenty five or thirty of them total. And then like six over six hundred of the regular ones, I've mastered those. But uh, um, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's it's, cool. it's amazing to finally come up with something that is, you know, 
just a, a product that just it checks all the boxes. Yeah. You know, reasonably priced, solves problems. People love it. I've got all five star reviews, and it's and it, it works. Yeah, I mean, you're using it yourself, so yeah, yeah. This is the bag that I ran at King of One Mile right here. Um, the, I have heard so. There's a this bag falls in a gray area in the rules for the King of One Mile and King of Two Mile events. Um, in the rules, it states that you cannot run a, an adjustable rest. So they have these rests that you put like your Edgewood type bag on or your Dima bag on, and it has like a thumb wheel that's like an elevation platform. And they're made out of aluminum, you know, they're machined. Um, those type of rests aren't aren't allowed in the competition for whatever reason. I'm not sure. I didn't I didn't make the rules. Um, but being that this bag is adjustable, it's not exactly a rest. It's a bag with a wedge inside. So it kind of fell in this gray area and it was basically like, well, you, you know, it's kind of disallowed from the competition, but if you can show a need, you can run it. And that's what they told me. So my, my hand being half paralyzed, they said, okay, you can run it. It's fine. And other people too, you know, got arthritis or a bad shoulder or whatever. Yeah, you can run it. Well, the match director, Alex from the King events, um, came to me over the weekend and said, Hey, we want to, uh, we want to make your bag legal and write the rules for that so that, uh, so we can, you guys can run them in the, in the matches. I guess there was enough people saying, I mean, I've sold so many of them, a lot of to my competitors too. So, um, so that's cool that the competitors, cause a lot of times you hear in that situation where they want to go the other way. So that way, well, he's got an advantage over me and that's, you yeah. know, they try to, try to take that away. Yeah. So, I mean, I want everybody to run them. Yeah. And there's been instances this season where I've had competitors beat me with my own bag at Spearpoint. <laughs> so yeah. I'm all about it. I'm yeah. all about helping people become the best marksmen possible. That's awesome. And that I love taking you know young kids out, teaching them how to shoot, seeing them excel. I have clients that come out and shoot with me. I have a private range that's about 40 minutes, 30 minutes from Wichita. We can shoot out to 2,150 yards. And, you know, I've got people from all over the country that come out and train with me. And uh, I love seeing them excel. Um, I had a guy that came out last season and uh, did some training with him for a couple days. And uh, he went and shot the Pro-Am match down at Greystone Castle and won the amateur division. I think it was the first match he ever shot. That's awesome. And I'm like, man, this is just great. And I just love seeing my clients. People have success. Excel at it, yeah. Yeah, and, it's rewarding. And when a guy beats me, at spear point and he's running my bag and he comes over to me and says, this is the best match I've ever shot in my life. I'm like, dude, that makes me so stoked. Yeah. It's so awesome. Yeah. It's cool that you do that. And, 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 you know, out of an unfortunate situation, you came and, you know, per, you know, persevered and, and fought through I've had it. numerous people tell me over the years that I'm absolute king of adversity. If if you throw something at me where I, I'm in a some type of MacGyver situation, I'm gonna come out on top. Mm -hmm. And that literally is what happened at this event too. Um, I was having some issues with the rifle; it was really hot. You know, I was doing some testing on it uh, the week before the match out in the heat. I let the gun sit out. I have a little hundred yard range on the on the back side of my property, and uh, I let it sit out there and acclimate to the temperature. And then I was doing some load development because I knew it was gonna be just blistering hot in Texas. And well, good thing we had the weather we had, huh? And yeah, it's been warm up here. It was bad down there too. Man. Yeah, it was so dry. There wasn't a, a one blade of green grass. It was all brown. Yeah. It's horrible. Where um, was it? Where was the event at? Uh, at the Greystone Castle, which is at like Thurber, Texas, Mingus, Texas. It's about an hour or hour fifteen west of Fort Worth. Okay. So anyway, I'm out there testing this thing in the heat, and the groups opened up on me. And it was shooting like an inch. I'm like, what is wrong with this thing? And um, I end up just cleaning the carbon out of it. Well, I, I got down to 33 bullets left. And the match is 27. So I'm going, great. I don't have time to get any more bullets. It's like two, like a day and a half before I'm getting ready to hit the road. And I just, uh, just kind of guessed at the powder charge. I brought the powder charge down a little bit just to kind of slow it down because it was running a little fast. And I cleaned the carbon out of the barrel. I just loaded up all 33 and went to Texas. And then I shot two three-shot groups down there that were ragged holes. And I'm like, well, that'll work. And the extreme spread was seven. 
So I said, well, we'll run it. And it worked. Crazy. But yeah, it's like, you know, I'm literally driving to Texas thinking, well, this thing's going to shoot inch group on, you know, we're just going to have to get lucky. But it, it came back together. So there was a little bit of carbon in it that uh, that was causing that, that issue. Yeah, I mean, from everything I've read and listened, like I said, I've never done it. Just the smallest thing can make a huge change. And you're yeah. just trying to replicate. I mean, like just most, like most anything with, with accuracy and stuff like that, it's trying to replicate. Just try to keep it consistent. That's, mm-hmm. that's the key, you know, and with these guns too, the barrel starts to erode and then you're, you're, you're chasing the lands, you know, and I run the cutting edge lasers. They got the seal tight band on them. You can see on the crown here. That's what those mm-hmm. are. And, uh, you know, I, as the barrel starts to erode, you can chase that with, you know, with, uh, you know, just load them out a little longer. Um, but yeah, just consistency, you know, I so want how many, to shoot the same every, all season long. Uh, how many rounds do you get off of a barrel? Um, you know, out of this gun here, I could probably expect maybe about 800, may, maybe a thousand. Um, out of my 416, I shoot a, a, quite a bit slower. So I'm shooting the 300 grain lasers at, uh, 3170 out of this gun, 3165. Now out of my 416, I'm shooting the 500 grain lasers at, um, 2910 or so, 2915 feet a second. So I should probably see, 1500 maybe 1800 rounds out of that gun so yeah. it'll last a couple seasons one thing it always humors me in the shop um it's obvious i keep it to myself but when people they'll knock on a caliber or whatever well, that's a barrel burner well doesn't matter yeah i mean it's just like tires on a car that's exactly what i was gonna say you gotta change the tires on your car don't yeah. you you it know, I mean, it doesn't matter. You, you just call up Jeff at Bartline and get a new one. Yeah, and you shoot Bartline barrels. Absolutely, hundred percent. Nothing else. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we've sold a couple of those barrels out of the shop here for guys that that you know build build guns and stuff like that. I've never had an issue with them, and they've always been phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. That's what you know. A lot of times people say. And the other thing I was telling, unless they're a guy like yourself. And, you know, we had a guy that bought a 6.5 five by 300 Weatherby mag. Well, then, you know, his buddies were just, you know, giving him a hard time. That's, a, a, that's a burner, but, yeah. I mean, is, was it a hunting rifle? Or yeah, he, he's using it for hunting. So, so what, are you going to go out and shoot six shots this season? That's exactly five, what I Five said. to dial it in and one to shoot a deer, and that's, that's it. That's exactly, yeah, he's going elk hunting. So it's going to last you 100 years. That's exactly Maybe. what I said. <laughs> I said exactly what you said. I was like, so they're back and forth giving him a hard time, you know, and he's kind of getting a little, you know, you know, frazzled. And I'm like, let's just pause for a second. And, the, and I'm friends with the guy too. And I was like, in his defense, I said, and that's not a fun gun to shoot either, no. you know, because it's, it, it was all carbon fiber. So it's light, you yeah. know, because it's going to, he's going to take it up in the mountains. So I'm like, he's not just going to be taking that thing out to the range to just go shoot it, you know, and, and dump a whole, you know, 10 rounds through it and then then the next guy's going to step up and shoot 10 rounds i was like you know once he gets it sighted in yeah yeah he might shoot it five or six times a year exactly yeah it doesn't matter yeah you know so at that point if it is a barrel burner his grandson who inherits it at some point or great grandson's gonna have to put a new barrel on it so be it yeah big deal yeah yeah changing the tires on your car like i was talking about my 2018 338 rogue mm-hmm. so this is a lapua based wildcat and i was shooting 250 grain solids out of that at like 3375 i mean they were burning that barrel lasted 670 shots and yeah it wore out in one season but you know what i went out there and just smashed that season and so it was worth it so do you see i mean i think i already know the answer you start seeing that that barrel's yeah, you'll, so, you know, I run a lab radar a lot and, um, so I'm constantly tracking my speed and stuff and you'll start to see the speed change. You'll start to see things change and you'll start to know that it's, it's starting to fall apart on you. And yeah. I, that gun fell apart at a match. Actually, we were down in Texas at Baldina Ranch and, uh, it was a two day match. Day one, we were shooting and what was it like? a mile maybe it was like 1500 out to like 2200 there was four targets and then the day two it was this one target at like 2650 and uh i made enough points on day one to win the event without even hitting anything on day two because the first shot of day two was like two and a half mils low i'm like the barrel died overnight and it never came back 
Yeah. It was, it was a travesty, but, uh, it's all good. And so did you hit anything that day? No, heck no. It was all, it was dead, man. That first shot was in way down in the dirt and they're like, man, I think we saw like two and a half mils low. I put another one out there, started dialing up and we, I couldn't get it anywhere. We get back home and checked and it dropped like 75 feet a second. And it was, uh, it was all over the place. I couldn't even shoot a three inch group. So that was it. It's done. It's done. done. And it died during a match, but luckily I'd made enough points. My phone just fell out of my pocket. It's fine. Yeah, I'm like, what was that? Um, so yeah, it was fun though. It was worth it. So for somebody that wants to get in it to start, yeah, what does that look like? A stack of hundred dollar bills about this thick. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, you could probably start out with like a Ruger Precision, you know, three three eight Lapua. Get some decent glass. You know, you're gonna want to load your own ammo. You know. The guys that are using box ammo, they're it's just not consistent enough. You right. know, you need to have extreme spreads of ten or less, and uh, you're not going to get that out of box ammo. And um, you know, you can start off with that type of rifle, low develop it, and um, go out and have a good time and learn. Sounds they, like for somebody wants to get into it, they find a friend that has, that's already in it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I have some guys that literally want to try it before they buy it, so they can come out and and literally rent one of my guns. We'll go out and shoot a mile, shoot, you know, at my private range, we can shoot uh 1465 mile and 2152. And, um, you know, come out and take a few shots, basically uh, just do like an exhibition type thing. I have some guys that want to come out and just shoot a mile to say they did. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to go out, hit a mile. I shot a mile, hit a mile. And you can rent that rifle right there. And uh, and take five shots or ten shots out of it and see if you like it. I guarantee you are. Well, yeah. Because as soon as you hit a mile, and you're going to go, that was awesome. And then then the real fun begins. Start sourcing parts and have somebody build it. And uh, what actions do you run? So that's a Defiance Deviant. Um, I've had it for a long time. Like I said, Jeff built that one for me. I have I had a couple Defiances even before that one. And um, uh, on my big gun, I run Pierce. I run the Pierce 10X. I have two of those. I have one, uh, I have a Shytac, and then I have uh, my 416. And uh, that's a Manners F-Class stock. I run the Manners LRT on the big gun. I uh, run Night Force Glass on everything. I run Attacker 735 mil C. And um, Trigger Tech triggers on everything. That that trigger right there is real special to me. Trigger Tech gave me that. It's the gold um, two-stage diamond they uh they gifted to me after I set a record in 21 at 4,134 yards. That was, um, the at the time, that was the longest impact in competition in history. And that lasted about a month and a half until another match popped up and said, well, we're going to put out one even further. And they put out a target at 42 and some change. But the difference with the, when I made the impact, the match that I was shooting was a hit to advance match. So they had, you had to hit 22 to move on to 35. They had a target at two miles. You had to hit the two mile target to be able to move on to the 41. And I, and I hit that as well. Now the, the next match that had a target at 42 and change, it was a free for all. It wasn't a hit to advance. Everybody in the match had the opportunity to, to shoot at it. And then two people hit it and beat, and beat my record. So technically I have the world record for the furthest impact in a hit to advance format match. And then also um, that is a three, you know, 338. The other match that was 416s um, yeah. that, uh, and maybe 375. So that is the longest impact ever in light division history. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. And so then Trigger Tech sent me that trigger and it's engraved. 4,134 yards on it. And it's just an amazing trigger anyway. That's all I run. I have trigger techs and everything. I wish they'd make them from Glocks. I'd right. Put them in my Glocks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're good. That's a good product we carry. They're awesome. The they're fantastic. And then your your uh, mounts and, and brings and bases. Yeah, I run spur. spur. I run spur on everything. You know, I had an incident a long time ago with a lesser quality mount and... Um, I went to Spur and never had a problem since. We've had a couple of guys come in and, and uh, you know, get the Spur product and we're set up as a dealer with them and 
you have other people that'll look at it and go, what in the world are you going to pay that much money for a set of rings? And it's like, well, what do you, you know, if you've, if you've just drawn for a, you know, speaking hunting, if you've just drawn for a goat or, you know, sheep tag and it's a once in a lifetime, you probably drop, you know, 10, $20,000 on that tag by the time it's all said and done, maybe yeah. 30 wow. stone sheep. You could be 60, Wow, 60 K. That's insane. Yeah. More, you could be more than that, but, um, yeah. So what's 400 bucks for a mount knowing that your scope is going to be, yeah. you know, you're not going to have an issue mm-hmm. because you know, I've had issues. Yeah. And with spur, it's one thing I never have to worry about. Yeah. 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 It having good quality, especially when you went with the level that you're shooting. I mean, you're shooting top of the top. Yeah. It's like top fuel. It is. It's like you it's know, a great analogy. top fuel, funny car. You know, I mean, it's, uh, it is the, in my opinion. Yeah. That, that's the, that's the, it's the pinnacle of, of firearm competitions. So my wife asked me, I told her I was going to have you on how long from the time you pulled the trigger to the time it hits on that long shot that the two point, whatever one you yeah, set the record with 2.35 miles. That so was, how long it is was, the, uh, it was 9.1 seconds, 9.1 seconds. Yeah. That's in there. Yeah. We, I basically had given up hope. <laughs> it's, it, you know, you shoot and you don't even know if you're even going to see it, you know, and you got spotters that are watching for it too. And, you know, you're trying to count and try to figure out how long it's going to take to get there. And it's like, well, I don't know. And then, oh, there it was. Wow. I actually saw that thing. So was there a target past that that you could shoot at? Nope. That was the farthest one in the tar- in the match. And um, I hit it on the fourth shot. So it, it was funny. We actually saw the we saw the first three. It was getting closer and closer and closer. We didn't see the fourth shot. And then we saw the fifth shot was under it. And... uh there was a bunch of wind that day, so the guys that had so there's cameras on the on the targets, but they had turned the audio down because of wind blasting noise through the cameras, so um, they didn't hear the clang. Well, we went down there just to just to take a look. So you didn't even know you hit it. They didn't even know I hit it. You just thought, well, yeah. So we went down there to look and like, uh, there's a hit right there. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So there's only two of us that shot at it and. I was, I was at the time I was shooting Hornady A tips, and that A tip leaves a big lead splatter on there, and well, there's a hit right there. That's where that fourth shot went. So they went back and looked at the footage uh, again and listened to it, you know, because it's all being recorded, and then they verified that it was the fourth shot that hit it. Yeah. Like wow. And then the fifth <laughs> shot was. I think it was right. I think it was right under it. But it was insane that day because we had like a twenty some mile an hour wind coming from like five o'clock. Wow. I was holding 7.2 mils of wind. That's crazy. So I had, uh, what was it, like 80 mils? I mean, it was, uh, we had a, a 36 mils in the in the scope. I had a 35 mil Charlie track, so I was at 71. And then I was holding another 10, so I was at 81. 81 mils of elevation and 7.2 mils of wind. And I was actually holding in no man's land because I'm running the mill C reticle. There's no Christmas tree or anything. So I'd only dialed six. The, all that I had in, at the time, I have a modified um, windage chart on there. Now I can dial like 10 mils, but um, I could only dial six and it would stop. And I'm holding 1.2 and I'm trying to look and, you know, literally the target's in no man's land. Mm, hit it. That's it crazy. It's so gnarly. That's crazy. I'll never forget that. And after that, my phone just exploded. Yeah. So, I mean, to, for the listeners out there that don't, that don't understand optics and, I mean, even what you're saying as much as I understand optics, it's still a little bit foreign to me. But basically what he's saying is, is that where you're for, for the old school three to nine by 40 crosshair, all of that area to the, to the, you know, bottom right, bottom left, whatever is no man's land. So there's no, you don't have dots or you don't have the, 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 the markings underneath it. You're literally, and, and you're shooting far enough out. I'm assuming that you're, you know, the crosshairs, if you will, would they're up in the sky. Yeah, crosshairs were in the sky, and um, and another thing too is it took so long to get through that match. There were so many shooters, and there was you know so many targets. Yeah, I've seen the picture; it was dark. Yeah, the sun the sun had set when I shot, and wow. when we got to the target, when we got down there, it was dark. Yeah, I've seen the picture of you going <laughs> yeah. like this. Yeah, so it was it was gnarly. The fact that that even happened. I mean, part of it was luck. 
part of it was, you know, my spotters knowing where the heck, you know, the bullet was landing so I could make corrections. Mm-hmm. And then part of it was just having well, just uh, that alone. Like when they're, that they're, it's, it's getting that dark and they're looking out at that far. Yeah. So at two miles, are they still standing by you to spot or? Oh, they're they... right behind me. Yeah, they're right behind what me. What are they using for glass? Uh, one guy had an, um, a Swaro and the other guy had a Night Force, I believe. I think. I don't remember. It was Steve Ream and Rusty Newton were watching it. And I think Rusty saw it. The first miss, at least. See where, you know. And it was fairly close, believe it or not. I mean, it was. And how big was the, was the target? It was six foot by six foot. Mm-hmm. But at 2.35 miles, you can't even really see it with the naked eye. You know, you got to kind of stare and like, I think I see a white speck out there. You know, and where were you at located in what? That was at Spearpoint Ranch, okay. but Lincoln, Kansas. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where most of the shooting is because um, they have the monthly series up there. So from March to September, there's a monthly a monthly match, and um, guys come from all over the country to to attend. So can a person can spectators just come watch? Sure, yeah, come out with some ear pro and, and and a spotting scope and a tripod and come hang out. Yeah, absolutely, that'd be fun. Yeah. That's really cool. So, again, for the listeners out there, if you're shooting, you know, um, for your mile, how 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 high are you holding up? Just for the for the layman person that's listening and out there or watching us. Well, like, so I've got my my notes from my match down in Texas. Um, sixteen ninety seven was the closest uh, to a mile, and that was twelve mils. So equate for. For the listeners, mills, if you're, you know, for the hunter that's out there, how high is that? 12 mils is, uh, well, one mil is one one thousandth the distance that you're shooting. So um, at at 1,697 yards, it'd be 1.697 yards, call it 1.7 yards times 12. So roughly um, 20 yards. You're, you're holding 20 yards. 20 yards, yeah. Above the target. Yeah. That's crazy. Roughly, yeah. And that's just at a, around a mile. That's just at a mile, yeah. And you guys are shooting. So out. when I shot that record, that was like 81 mils. I think I calculated that as like 960 feet. So you're holding 960 feet above. Yeah. And then uh, with 7.2 mils of wind, I think that was like 80 feet of wind or something like that. So 90 feet up and 80 feet. 900 feet up. I mean 900 feet up and, and 80, 80, foot 80 of wind. feet. Yeah. It was, it was really gnarly, man. That's just insane to think about. I know. It, like I said, it was it was it was mostly luck. Well, I mean, that's not luck. Would be me hitting it. <laughs> You've got skill. There's, there's skill. There's skill there. But man, it, it, in all things considered, with the conditions, the way it was, the you know, I would say it was a it was fifty fifty luck. What um? So what's the longest shot that's ever been hit? That's I think it's forty two twenty nine is what the record is now. Yeah. And yours was what? Forty one thirty four. Isn't it crazy when you get to there just like an extra how do you Yeah, it's not, not much. It's not it, even not even a hundred yards difference, but But that makes a I mean, I bet that added a sizable amount of it becomes exponential the amount of hold does we had james gene on um recently and he's a trick shot guy for bows yeah, and yeah he, i recognize he, the name yeah you've seen him probably he's one with the bb daisy bb gun he's shooting clay pigeons it dude's crazy that's crazy the other day he he released one and clay pigeons come across he throws a, a bass fishing lure hits it and i'm asking him i'm like <clears throat> how many shots you know how many takes do you and he he says you know six to ten takes and usually i have it but he's like with the bb gun i can get you know, usually it's, you know, one out of every three. He's hitting a clay pigeon with a BB, Daisy BB That's gun. insane. Yeah. And he's got slow-mo cameras and stuff. But anyway, um, oh, I forgot what I was going to say there. Oh, he shot a uh, balloon at like, Dylan, I'm talking about um, James Jean. <clears throat> he shot that balloon at like 400 yards or something. But he said that he's like, I can't go any farther. And he got a world record for that. Guinness came out, but he said, I can't really shoot him farther because the, the arrow is basically coming down at that point. But That's insane. he's got, it's, it's on his YouTube and he's just, he, he does like, he'll shoot, you know, Robin hood 
Yeah. But he'll do a Robin Hood with a ring going back and forth. And it, right I saw in. one of those recently. He's just, yeah. and I'm just super, super it's, humble. This is a, a lot of practice. Yeah, that's it. He just, that's sort of like in this sport, you know, I've gotten to the point now where a lot of times I don't even need to pull out my Kestrel to take wind. I can look through the scope and look at the mirage and I can look at other environmental factors. I can look at. Have you been, have you been um, approached by the military? No. <laughs> my sister's a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force. Yeah. But, uh, and my grandpa fought at Iwo Jima. That's, well, thank, but that's as close as it gets. Thank you for your further service and sacrifices. I mean, thanks. This, thanks, little sis. Yeah. Is she a shooter like you? No. That's, I mean, man, you're, that's crazy. So th- now, wasn't there, a, and you may not know this or not, but there, wasn't there a Canadian sniper that has a confirmed kill? At, yeah. It's a couple miles, I think. Yeah. Yeah. What, for a guy like you, when you read that, what do you think? Like, what does that do if do? Um, I mean, it's, it's doable. You know, I mean, I, I don't know how many shots it took him. Was it first shot? I don't know. But I mean, I just think about, I mean, what you're doing, what that, what that guy's doing. I mean, it just, take, it just takes practice and just know, know what your data, know what your dope is, you know. I guess. It just, um, I'm sure the, those those firearms are somewhat capable. I'm not a fan of like 50. I think that was done with a 50. I'm not a fan of 50s. They're really not that accurate. They're great for chopping down block walls and suppressive fire or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, the ballistics are not. You know, the and the ballistics are okay. They, they just pack a lot of energy. But. I just don't see that many of them that are precision firearms mm-hmm. that are just really inherently extremely accurate. Somebody shows up to Spear Point and they spent $10,000 on a new Barrett 50 cal. I guarantee you they're going to come in the bottom third of the pack. Mm-hmm. They just are not that accurate of guns. Right. Now you can build a custom gun, you know, but if you're going to go that far, I mean, I can do everything with a, that 416 stroker on a Shytac size action, a lot lighter gun. You're not going to have to buy all that new reloading equipment to load the larger 50 stuff and the bigger primers and all the stuff. Um, man, that the 416 stroker and the 416 Hellfire, I mean, in my opinion, in this sport, that's, that's, that's all you need. So I think you just answered my next question was what, what is the, the round, the most, you know, the, I guess it, common and, and or, Probably most common, I'd probably say a three seven five Shytac, you know, and you really can't go wrong. The two highest scores ever of all time at King of Two Miles were done with three seven five Shytacs. So, um, you know, I like the four sixteen Stroker because when you miss, you're gonna see where it went. That five hundred grain bullet hitting the ground, even if the ground's wet, if it's grass, if it's a little muddy out, you know, sometimes it'll. Like some of the smaller bullets, that mud will just soak them up and you never saw where it went. Just a little blip, it's gone. That 500 grain bullet hits the dirt, you're going to see it. Yeah. And I get, I, for somebody who's never been in it, I never thought of it like that. You know, the misses are, miss, are important too. They are, right. And I try not to miss. I only missed five shots at King of One Mile, which was awesome. You know, going 22 for 27 is pretty. But pretty if amazing. you do miss, you, you need do to miss, you need to see where it's at. Now, down there in Texas, it ain't rained in 30 years. So it was just dirt. It's so bad down there. I feel so sorry for you guys. It's so dry. It's unreal. I saw some cattle just chewing on a brown field and like, man, there's not any, any nutrition out there. You I, know? Just, I, but, I was just in there. I have a restaurant too. And I was just in last night talking to a farmer and he said, you think beef prices are bad right now? Just wait. Now I start, I look at grass, like they just cut the grass on the front of my property. And, uh, um, you know, we got like, 14 round bales off of like eight acres, which the guy that cut it was like, this is amazing. Cause we, we, we had a spare spell there here in Kansas a while, you know, probably about a month to three months ago where we got some rain. We did. We got the rain when we needed it and then grass just really took off. But man, down there, they're going to be trucking all of our grass down there. It's going to make the grass prices high. It's going to make mm-hmm. the beef prices high. Yeah. You beef know? prices are getting ready to go there was through a, the roof. It, it was this bananas how how dry it was down there but like i said you know it was so dry you should have saw every single miss because I mean, it was just a plume of dirt on every single shot and uh and like i got i'll get back to you know me not taking wind readings i could literally look through my spotting scope 
see other people's misses and and watch that dirt, and I can tell you what the wind's doing for the most part. Because you got the experience, and it just what it takes a lot of time on glass is to figure that out. You yeah. Know? Where Where are you going next? So. The next, well, two weekends from now is the Spear Point finale. I'm only shooting heavy solo. I'm not going to shoot any other divisions. And that's going to be my last match for a while. Uh, I'm not, I don't plan on shooting the regular season next year. I'm focusing on family and business. And um, I'm going to shoot King of One Mile to defend my title. And um, there's also some talks from uh, a sponsor of mine. They may send me to King of Two Miles, France. So we're working out the details on that. And um, that's all I plan on doing for a while. Um, really want to focus on these bags and uh, and turning this into, um, I mean, it's already, it's already a, a, you know, becoming substantial. I'm ready to turn it into a, a real business. You know, there's millions of shooters in this world. And I start to see, you know, these orders that are going out. I, I shipped them to Ireland, to Scotland, to, to England. So all across the UK, um, you know, Norway and Finland, and I ship some to Netherlands, and I'm like all these places across Europe, and I start to think like, how many shooters are there in this world? A lot, a lot, and this bag helps so many people. I'm just like I've 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 got something here. So I've spent you know the last six years shooting competitively, and you know really serious into that. But now I want to get real serious. You know, my kids are growing up. Um, I'm I'm ready to spend some time with them, go on some vacations, do some fun stuff, grow this business, take yeah. it to the next level, train people. I have people that come out that want to shoot with me, and um, and that's 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 my nine to five. I wouldn't call it nine to five. That's my like six to midnight. You know, yeah. six a.m. to midnight is. Yeah. Uh, I, I I live I live this stuff, man, and uh, I want to see people succeed. And what they want to do with their their goals and shooting, and um, that's it, man. That's that's awesome. How old are your kids? Uh, four, six, and ten, almost ten. Yeah, enjoy it. I and my oldest is uh, twenty eight, and my youngest is twenty two, and nice. I just just became a grandpa. Well, wow, Saturday we're uh, celebrating my granddaughter's uh, one year. So my grandson is. Uh, He's one. He was born uh, June twenty first, and my granddaughter was born September fourth. And so, nice. uh, and then I've got another one on the way. I'm stoked. It's, it's the coolest man. thing in the world. Yeah, and I can tell you that from the age where they're at, right there, what you're talking about to today, it seems like yesterday. Like, I know. Genuinely, seems like yesterday. It, time, they're growing up so fast, and it's just you know I'm starting to starting to hit home. Yeah, you it, know. And I'm ready to spend time with the family and my beautiful wife, Brooke. I need to, uh, we need to have some vacations. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I owe you 15 vacations, just so you know. Yeah. It's, well, I mean, it's, obviously it's, to be able to do what you're doing. I know. And it, a supportive it, it, spouse. It, it's, it's, it's taken a toll, you know, um, because even though it's, you know, shooting seasons like May to September and I'm only gone like once a month, I can still feel it kind of taking a toll. And I would rather go once a month now and, and go do something fun with the kids. Like an over the summer, you know, go mm -hmm. on an adventure somewhere. And, uh, you know, I, you. I've, I've done everything I've wanted to really do in ELR, you know, as far as, um, all the trophies I've won, all the events I've won, um, world records. Um, I'm kind of bored. You yeah. Know, it's a lot of fun, but I'm kind of bored truthfully. And like I said, the only, only thing that I lack at this time is an international competition. That's why we're in the talks going to France. Yeah, and uh, that'd be cool. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it a basically a retirement for me, LR. This is kind of the official announcement. I really haven't told anybody. But, <laughs> you uh, heard it here on the Powering Stream. When, when's this gonna air? Uh, this will probably air either this Monday or the following Monday. Oh, nice. So, yeah. okay. So well, it'll be the first of September. You heard it, you heard it first. You heard it first, guys. I'm gonna retire from ELR, and I'm gonna teach people all my secrets. So, you know, now that you know, people are already beating me with my technology, with my stuff. So, you know, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. I want, I want to see everybody succeed and, and, you know, do amazing things. That's awesome. You've got just the, the best attitude and 
and and it's been a pleasure having you on here. I thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad you reached out. That, that worked out. That worked out great timing wise too with me just winning this event last weekend. You know. Yeah. And uh, well, um, Brian, our in-house engraver. Yeah. And that's how we connected. Yeah, man. I met. I've known Brian for a decade at least. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And he gave me your name like three weeks ago. Yeah. A number. Uh, I, I I knew who you were. I'd, I'd read about you and I oh, knew, no. you know, just, awesome. just from being in the, in the industry yeah. and then, you know, knowing shooting a little bit, by no means am I a shooter, but just knowing the industry and being in it. And then, you know, that, you know, cause you're here in Kansas. So then you're like, Oh, there's, you know, a guy here in Kansas and there's several of them actually. But, um, so then I kind of knew of you and then all of a sudden awesome. he comes into me one day and, and I, I think it's probably about three weeks ago. Yeah. And I've just been so busy and covered up. And then I went on vacation. And uh, so Brian kept asking me, he's like, do you get all him yet? And I'm like, I don't want to call him and then just like leave him hanging, you know, like I'm going to wait till I'm, I'm ready and, yeah. and have. And I was busy too. I had a ton of orders come in. Right. Well, and then you were getting oh ready for, God. and I didn't have any idea that you were And I'm getting ready, ready for, this. for this. And at the same time, I've got everything with the kids. The kids are going back to school. Right. Um, you know, all those things, like literally the first day of school was when I had to hit the road to go to Texas. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I was just buried. Yeah. So if I would have called you then, you'd have been just like, bro, I'm sorry, but yeah. I'll hit you up when I get back. But yeah, yeah it's, it's all good. It worked out perfectly. Yeah, it worked though. out exactly. I mean, I called yeah. you and here we are. It's been yeah. an absolute blast. I look forward to, I'm going to be picking your brain. Sure. Because I got my number. Yeah. I'm totally interested in, in, in this. I'm, I definitely don't want to take it to the level you are, but I want to go out occasionally here and there and shoot and, and, you know, just be a part of it and say I've done it. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to come out to the range sometime and shoot a mile or something. I do. Yeah. For sure. And I've really kicked around, um, building a gun. I don't know that I, I'm, I'm getting ready to build a gun, um, a mountain gun for, um, there's a chance I could get called for an elk hunt later this year. Cool. And so I want to have something I can just grab. And uh, a lot of times when we do those in the shop and we leave something in the shop sitting, you know, so people can see it, then we'll have customers come in and go, oh, I want, I want something like that. So then we can, we can help them put that together or, or order them depending on what it is. So, yeah, um, I'm, I'm very interested in, in, in doing something like that, but sweet. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, having yeah. you come on here and, and, uh, Thank you. we kind of touched on it in the middle of the show, but for everybody out there, if you haven't already, uh, liked the, liked or subscribed please go out there and do it um not only for powder and string but um also for ryan here ryan cheney elr um you said you're on uh, instagram facebook facebook uh, and YouTube, youtube yeah and that's kind of the same thing we're at we're on all those we're also on whatever twitter was now x you know i'm incognito on twitter i'm on there but nobody knows it's me right you're yeah. you're flying i don't really i don't really post much i just read um, cause you can actually get like some real news on there. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, you that's would, why we you would never know it was me. We, we started all this, um, right after the first of the year and that was when Elon was kind of taking over. I thought, you know, maybe that thing might take off. So, yeah. And it, um, but I use it the exact same way, but yeah, we're out there powder and string outfitters and, uh, you know, we're located here downtown Wellington and, uh, we greatly appreciate all of you guys out there listening and until next time. This has been the Powder and String Outfitters podcast, and we appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thank you.